wonderful to have Elder Flowers with us tonight. I appreciate him taking the time to be here. He is a busy man. Uh, like many of you, he works a job too. And uh, that keeps him busy. He's a full-time husband. Uh, can't be a part-time husband, by the way. <laughs> Amen. He's a full-time dad to five beautiful kids. Good to see some of them here with us tonight. He's a full-time elder. And so I appreciate him taking time this evening to add a night into his schedule to be with us. So we honor him. He's not a stranger to us. We recognize the anointing on him when he teaches. And we are believing for that tonight. Would you open your heart and spirit and welcome Brother Flowers. Would you please come, Elder? Take your liberty. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It's wonderful to be with you tonight. Thank you, Elder Hart, for inviting me. And it's a privilege. Every one of those things that he listed as a job are really a privilege. And uh, I'm thankful for it all. Amen. Uh, praise God. Thank you again, Elder Hart, for letting me be here. Amen. I give honor to him. I give honor to our bishop. Amen. I'm glad to have some Union Gap folks with us tonight, too. Great to see you. Amen. I bring you greetings from my wife, my other half, and the other half of our children as well. Amen. I'd like you to turn to first... Timothy, chapter 5, verse 8. Amen. Just on Tuesday night when we had our uh, midweek Bible study in Union Gap, the theme of the night that the Lord was ministering was one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And uh, he seemed to really be hammering on the one faith part of that. So I'm reminded of that again as Elder Hart was speaking there. I believe that is God's voice. That is his plan. That's his will. Amen. This is going to seem like a very strange place to start, but I'm really, uh, as much as anything, I want you to see this as a disclaimer for some of the other things we're going to talk about tonight. It says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Everybody say provide. provide. So to provide and for his own and especially those of his own house. You and I, we all have um, a calling of God and I would even say a mandate of God to provide for our own. I, I, I can't just live off of everybody else. And I'm talking in the natural here. Um, I can't just get through life on handouts from other people and say, well, I'll, I'll make it tomorrow if enough people are, are nice enough to me. And no, you've got to provide. That looks very different even in just uh, the congregation here, it looks different from one person and one family and one household to the next. What do you do to provide? 
and that varies, but the, the call is there for all of us. If any, it says, right? If any does not provide. Now, I want you to look at Psalms chapter 127, verse 2. Psalm 127, verse 2. It says, it is vain, everybody say vain, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. I'm not going to try to go into this in too much detail tonight, but essentially the bread of sorrows is what your own labor produces. It's what you put in your grocery cart at the grocery store. You got that through sorrows, and sorrows really there is labor, not like, oh, sorrowful, sad, and pity. It's, it's labor. It's labor that is filled with sorrow, labor that is hard work. And that hard work that you do produces, in this instance, bread or food, it's really the thing that you're going to eat that's going to sustain you that day. And so David, writing Psalms here, says, you can't just make the focus of your life working so that you have enough to eat. That's vain, empty. All right? There's more to life, I guess I would say David is saying, than getting what you want through doing what you have to do to get what you want. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 6. I want to spend some time in this passage tonight. And God bless Brother Renee back there. He's going to be a little tested. John chapter 6. And I'll start... At verse 2, John chapter 6, verse 2, we're going to read a little bit about an event, an encounter that happened while Jesus was here on the earth. It says, and a great multitude followed him because, everybody say because, they followed him because. They saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Kind of uh, the first time I read through that, when the Lord took me to this passage, I, it was comical to me because I read that as deceased and not diseased. <laughs> but I thought, well, the same goes. So they followed him because they saw the miracles that he did. On those that were diseased, if you go back to John 5, it ends there with um, Jesus healing a man or healing, healing a, a, the child, I believe it was, of a man. Uh, it said a noble man. Um, and prior to that, he did another me, uh, miracle. And prior to that, it was another one. So he's starting to build a crowd that are following him because of the miracles that they are seeing him do. 
verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence then shall we buy bread that these may eat? I'm starting to develop a crowd. I've got a following here, and they're people, and they're, I know people like to eat, and uh, there's not any grocery stores nearby. They didn't all pack a lunch. They're just here, and sooner or later, they're going to be hungry if they're not already. So he turns to Philip, and he says, where could we get enough money to buy enough food for this crowd. Verse 6, and he said this to prove him. I like it when the Bible gives us the insider information. Philip, you're being tested. Careful how you respond because I'm saying this to prove you. Now, the writer is John, right? We're reading in the book of John. So John, he had his own times of his own getting called out, but he, he's pointing out to us about his brother, Philip, his brother in the Lord, Philip, getting called out. Oh, this was, John's day, uh, this was Philip's day. The Lord tested him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. We, that's about how much money it would cost just to get enough food that everybody has a little bit. And that's really not enough because that's just like one bite each. You know, that's just a little bit. So if you really wanted to get everybody a full meal, it's going to be even more than that. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that specifically because of that answer that Philip didn't pass the test. For all we know, his... His mental acuity is being tested there. He does the math. Well, that's about that many, that many, that many. It's a lot of money. That's, that's the way that he responded. Because well, that's the question that he asked. How much would it take to buy to, fe to feed all of these? Most of you have seen this account, so I'm going to skip down through this because I, want to, I just want you to see some of the highlights in this passage, in this story. Verse 10 Jesus said, make the men sit down now. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves and we had, when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples took them that were sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Jump down to verse 14. Everybody say, everyone got enough to eat. And there were leftovers. Verse 14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Now, it's already a group of people, a crowd that's formed, because they've seen him do miracles. But in that moment, Every single person in the crowd received something by way of a miracle. What it was, was food. They all received food, enough to eat. 
I, I skipped over it, but it says there's one boy, Andrew says, there's one boy here with just a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish, but now they've all partaken of this, and they say, this guy is the prophet. This guy is really the miracle worker. I know it now because my tummy's full. He proved it to me by giving me something to eat that he did not have to offer naturally. Verse 15, when Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Can you believe that? Jesus realized what have I done? Well, I, I'm sure he knew what he did. It says it at the beginning. He knew what he was going to do. But he's saying this is the way that everyone just interpreted what I just did. They are going to try to take me by force and make me their king. Because now that they've eaten, now that they've, as the scripture says, tasted and seen that the Lord is good... They're going to try and grab onto me and promote me. They're going to take me and say, hey, we can all stop buying groceries now. All you fishermen, psh, just leave the boats at the shore. You don't have to fish anymore because we got a never-ending supply here. We have Jesus. He's all of Fred Meyer rolled into one. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way. That is not, I assure you, brethren, that's not why I came here to this earth. I'd like you to jump down to verse 24. So he, in verse 15, Jesus leaves alone. He says, no, nope, I got to get away from this. This is not going to end well. So overnight, Jesus departs, it says, into the mountain, his disciples get in the boat and go across to the other side of the sea and Jesus meets them as they're right about to get onto the shore walks on the water spooks them they say he says no it's just me get it they let him in the boat they get on the shore and that's about what we skipped verse 24 when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there neither his disciples they also took Shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. What did, verse, what did this chapter start with? A great multitude following him because they saw the miracles that he did on the diseased, right? So they followed him from, if you'll allow me to put it this way, they followed him from chapter 5 to chapter 6 because of the miracles that he did in chapter 5. Now they're following him to midway through chapter 6 because of the miracles that he did in the early parts of chapter 6. We can't let this guy get away. Verse 25, when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? How did you get here? Jesus says, verse 26, verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. 
Another way that you could put verse 26, and I think some translations use the word instead of not because you saw the miracles, it says you seek me because you didn't understand the miracles. I got this visual, and it's just kind of funny to me, but one of those verses we skipped over, it says Jesus, when he took those baskets from the little boy, it says he had them in his hand, and then he gave to the disciples, and those disciples then gave to every man. So I get the visual of Jesus holding, just just the way my mind works. I got to trace it back to when did three loaves or five loaves become six loaves? And when did six become seven? And when did seven become eight? When did eight become nine? I'm trying to just get the picture in my head. Or was he just, you know, because I could could almost picture. Now, this is not heresy, so don't get offended. But I could picture him in his large robe going, oh, there's another one. No, there's another one. You know, where they came from, they materialized. Or maybe he just breaks it apart. <laughs> there's one, and it grows while your, hand, while your eyes are on this hand. Right? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, however it worked, Jesus, the, the miracle was in Jesus' hand, and he told them, you don't understand the miracle. You're not coming to me because you understood the miracle. You're coming to me because you ate of the miracle. You partook of the miracle. The same reason why you followed me from before was because you saw a person get healed. You don't know why I healed them. You don't know the results of my healing them. You just saw something, thought it was cool, and decided, I'm going to follow that. Insert the 2020 social media reference there. You saw something cool and decided to follow that. So you seek me not because you saw the miracle, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verse 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth. But for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God sent, hath, the, hath God the Father sealed. Now, labor. Everybody say labor. labor. Labor not for the meat which perisheth. Don't just keep seeking me because you want something to eat today. Labor for the meat which endureth for everlasting life. We must decide, do we want the bread of natural life or do we want the bread of eternal life? Keep reading. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. I'll go, let's go ahead and read verse 28. They said to him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Because he said labor. Everybody say labor. labor. What do we do to do the works of God? So verse 29, Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe on him that hath, believe on him whom he hath sent. Believe on the one that God sent. 
Verse 28. Verse, sorry. Verse 30. They said, therefore, unto him, what sign? Oh. Follow. Believe the audacity for just a moment. What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? Wow, that one just went right over the head. Remember, he said just a few verses, you seek me not because you saw the miracle, but because you ate and were filled. Okay, well, then show us what we are supposed to see. And what dost thou work? Verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. I love the fact that they took it here. Because just uh, let me remind you what they did yesterday. Yesterday, they ate the miraculous provision of the Lord. They ate food, natural food that was provided supernaturally. So they say, "What? okay, what are you going to do then if you're not just going to Take us through the drive-thru McDonald's every day. You're not just going to feed us every day. What are we supposed to do? What are you going to do? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, verse 32. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He. The bread of God is He. Let's just let that sink in for a moment. The bread of God is not it. It's not wonder bread. It's not nature's own. It's not Sarah Lee. The bread of God is is he, him, everybody say him, it's a person in this context, the bread of God is he, which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world, okay, let me, re- let me just try to recap what I, what I saw them saying, you worked a miracle yesterday to provide for us something to eat, Today, should we expect you to feed us miraculously again? It's a a sincere question, I believe, but it comes from a place of lack of understanding. Am Am I seeking you every day for miraculous food? Like our fathers were fed daily, miraculously, by manna in the desert. If nothing else, maybe they're thinking, oh, we're getting, we're getting somewhere because we know the story of our fathers being fed miraculously every day as they wandered through the desert. So is this what, has our time finally come to eat the miraculous provision of the Lord every day? Bread from heaven is not just food to get you fed naturally today to get you through to tomorrow bread from heaven is what comes down it is jesus to give you everlasting life verse 34 then said they unto him lord i want you to watch this 
It sounds very nice and, and spiritual and well-meaning and good, especially in the King James Version. It's, they say, Lord, evermore give us this bread. But really what they mean, evermore. I think the, the, uh, the other translation I read first said always. Give us this bread always. They're still missing it. Because they are not saying, give us the eternal life. No, they're saying, every time we need this bread, give it to us. They're still linking it to occasion. Every time I'm hungry, you're going to feel me. Every time I'm thirsty, you're going to give me something to drink. Evermore. It means at every occasion, not in an eternal sense, but it is inside the confines of our time. I wonder how much of us think, hear me, I wonder how much of us think that a close walk with God means never having to go hungry. And I'm not just talking natural, I'm talking about spiritual. What Does a close walk with the Lord mean every time I need something, He's going to give it to me? Where is our focus? What is the thing that I'm seeking after? If I'm seeking after the provision of God, the moment he decides to not provide in the way that I think he should, he and I are going to have a problem. Verse 34 again. They said, Lord, give us this bread Evermore give us this bread. Verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am, he already said it, the bread of life is he, right? Okay, so evermore give us this bread. So go with us then. Take us, either you come with us or let us go with you. So we'll just stay by you if you're the bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Skip down to verse 38. For I came down from heaven. I really think that all the way back in what was it, verse 2, 3, 4, when, when he asked Philip the question and said because he knew what he was going to do, it, he wasn't just talking about that day of a miraculous feeding. I think he's seeing a well on into the next day and into this conversation and into this discussion. I know what I'm doing. I'm setting up the opportunity to discuss. I'm setting up the opportunity to impart. I'm not just trying to do a miracle. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every man, everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Okay, let me pause here for a moment. Because he went back, he said, you saw the miracle, but you didn't understand the miracle. Here he links together what happens after you see it, you should believe on him. He says the will of God is every man that sees the Son of Man, should believe on Him. 
Let it go past your visual perception and into your spiritual understanding. Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 41, the Jews then murmured. Everybody say murmured. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Would you believe it? Okay, I think I got it in here somewhere. Okay, let's no, let's keep going first. I am he that came down from heaven. Verse 42, and they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Again, I'm taking you back to the beginning of chapter 6 when he tells Philip, I know what I'm about to do. I know what this looks like, just a temporary blessing or a miracle. Uh -uh. But it's much, much more than that. It is an opportunity for me to reveal myself. And every time I am revealed, I'm supposed to have people believe in me. I'm supposed to have followers, not in the natural sense, but in the spiritual sense, men are supposed to turn to me. They are supposed to come to me when I reveal who I am. How, did he, how is it he says he came down from heaven? They got angry. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But follow me. They got angry because he changed miracles on them. He went from saying, you follow me and you'll never hunger and thirst. All right, cha-ching. Food in the pantry from now on. He went from that to, no, you follow me and you have to partake of who I am. All right, jump down, verse 48. I am that bread of life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they are what? Dead. So, do you want to go the way of your fathers and eat some temporal and temporary? Miraculous provision and then die. Is that really what you want? You want to be spiritual for a little while. You want to see the hand of God for a season. You want to walk in a temporary blessing just so you can say, I'm blessed of God. Is that really what you want? Your fathers had that. By the way, you don't know the whole story, but I do. Every time they would eat it, they would go back to their house and complain about what they just ate. That's what happens when you seek the temporary blessing. 
temporary means it's not always going to be there or it's not always going to be what I want. There is another term used throughout this passage. It's the word eternal. It's the opposite of temporary. I am the bread of life. And he said, and anyone that comes to me will have everlasting life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they are dead. Verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven. That a man may eat thereof and not die. I am, verse 51, the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. I have mentioned it earlier as a spoiler alert for you. He switched the miracles on him. The bread is my flesh. The bread is not from that little boy's house that you had yesterday. However, his mom cooked it. The bread is my flesh. Which I will give for the life of the world. I give my flesh. The world has life. They got angry because he switched miracles. The first miracle of feeding them a natural meal supernaturally satisfied them so much that they wanted more of it. I've tasted enough of God to know he's all right by me, and I'll keep following him. And as long as he keeps performing these awesome miracles, I can stand by him. The problem is he knows if that's what you think. And he says, okay, I know you're following. This is what he did this day. He stopped the crowd. He said, I see where this is going. I am amassing a following, a group of people who care nothing about me or my purpose. I am amassing a group of people that just want to see. They just want to experience. The problem is, you can experience pretty much anything, anywhere, anytime. Especially this day and age. If I just want to experience something. Hmm. You know, uh, Bishop and I were talking about this the other day. And we, he, was, he was thinking about, he was saying, I'm, I was thinking about various men of God that I've known over the course of my life. And how many of them turn away from the truth. And many of them, they had great uh, giftings of a teacher or a preacher. Many of them, they had great musical giftings. And they, the Lord would use them and, and use them mightily in, in a, a ministry of music. And the problem is especially, it works both ways, but I was seeing it especially with those that have that gift of music. They think their gifting is measured by the crowd that sees them or hears them or even worships with them. 
the Lord gave me this talent. I can play and I can sing, and that means I should be playing and sing, singing where the most people can hear me, where the most people can come and witness the talent that the Lord has given me. It works the same with preachers, okay? I think we, if we're honest with ourselves, though, we'd say it's just a little bit easier to go to a concert than a lecture. I'm, I, I, I'm just letting that sink in. We think our, our walk with God is all about what we experience on an ongoing basis, especially as it relates to the crowd of people around us. The second miracle that he offered was feeding them a supernatural meal And that was not what they wanted at all. They said they they kind of incriminated themselves when they said, Give us this bread evermore. We'll eat it always. We'll take it all the time. Sorry, you just don't have the proper understanding. I'm not trying to feed you naturally forever. I tried that already with your fathers in the wilderness. I gave them what they needed every day. And look where it got them. God has a way of finding out who is in it for the natural and who is in it for the supernatural. The, the, the crowd stopped following him this day. I'm not going to take all the time to read it, but you can read all this through this chapter, and it's really where he starts to introduce and then go into depth about this whole idea of you've got to eat my flesh. You've got to drink my blood. That was not the message the crowd wanted to hear that day. can we just have a little bit more of what we had yesterday? I mean, that was good. But now you're talking about something totally different. Why would I want to eat that? Why would I want to partake of that? He's got a way of finding out who's in it for the natural and who's in it for the supernatural. And watch this. Because of the miracle that he performed earlier in the, tra- in the chapter. God often gives us an introduction to the supernatural. Not as an invitation to live there, but as an opportunity to know him more. He gives you one one miraculous experience. And we think, "Woo! I can do that every day. That's awesome. I'd love to experience that. How about 24-7? Is that good? Yeah. And he says, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I just did that so you know who I am. Not so we could do this and make this our religion. 
It's an opportunity to know him more. Verse 58, it says, This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eateth of this bread shall live forevermore. Live forever. This is, I think, the last thing I have here. Supernatural sustenance is not sufficient for those whose focus is on the immediate. Let me, let me try to explain that. A supernatural sustenance means that which I get from the Lord that sustains my spirit. That is not enough for someone whose focus is on the immediate, the temporal, the natural, or the thing of today. I, I, need, I need more than that, God. I, I, I can't go off of that. Well, good news is you're not supposed to. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You can get to a place in your walk, in your relationship with God, where food is secondary. Natural sustaining is secondary. It's what it, you know the story. Jesus is fasting in the wilderness and Satan comes to tempt him. And he says, I know you're hungry, and I know you haven't eaten in a while. Why don't you, if you are who you say you are, why don't you just turn that stone into bread, into a loaf of bread? That will give you what you need. That will satisfy you. It would if the thing I was after was natural sustaining but it's not what I'm after. Man shall not live by bread alone. Somebody hear me please today. If what you've lived in your life up to this point, you would classify as bread alone, the Lord is giving you the understanding tonight that you can have much, much more than what you've had up to this point. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You want to talk about a heavy diet. I'm reminded of, I believe it was uh, Samuel, who we call the first prophet. It says when, when the Lord called him and, and made him a prophet that from that day forward, none of the Lord's words fell to the ground. That tells me that before he had a man of God listening for the sound of his voice, he was still speaking, but nobody was hearing what he was saying. The Lord has a word for every single one of us. He's got a word for you for today. The question is, is that going to be enough for me? 
I know this is I know this sounds heavy. But that's we have to make that decision. I read it somewhere up here and let me try to find it again. We must decide do we want the bread of natural life or the bread of eternal life? Jesus already knew before he went into the wilderness. I'm not just looking for the bread of natural life. I need the word of eternal life. I need something far greater, something much more than what I can get out of a bite of a natural item. Can we pray for just a moment, Lord? I'm listening for the sound of your voice, Jesus. I believe that you desire to fill each one of us. God, you would desire to feed and to sustain us, Lord, in a supernatural way, God, not through the things of this earth, God, but because you are the eternal life. You are the living word. You are the everlasting life. You are the bread of life. You are the bread of life, Jesus. John chapter 4, verse 10. Most of you know this passage. I'm not going to try to lengthen it at all, but I just want you to see this verse. This is Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria at a well. First, he says, give me to, to drink. And she says, you're a Jew and you don't ask that of me or my kind. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it was that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And she responds and says, This well is deep, and you don't have a bucket. How are you going to give me any kind of water? 
think about, if you know this story, think about how it plays out. He, he, he goes on and he has an in-depth conversation with her. The disciples come back to him. And they say, you got to be hungry by now. We even went to, this, went to the market and got food for you. And he says, uh-uh, I am full. What do you mean you're full? You don't have anything to eat. You didn't get a bite. And he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That's how I get full. That's, that's how I can go from day to day to day, by doing the will of him that sent me. You know what he said? This is, this, let me just give you a, a brief intermission. After he did the will of him that sent him, after he died on the cross, was buried, rose, showed himself to his disciples. You know what he says? Do you have any meat? My work is done, and I'm hungry. Why don't we stand? I'd like you to just continue to pray. I feel the Lord is speaking here. Father, I'm listening, God. I want to be drawn in by your side. I want to be drawn in, Lord, and fed of you. God, you are the supernatural provider. You desire, God, to sustain us day in and day out. Lord, you are the way and the truth and the life. God, besides you, there is no other. God, I'm examining my life right now. God, I'm looking over the course of my life. Jesus, I don't want to live, oh God, according to the ways of this world. I don't want to live and be only fed by the natural. God, and I don't want a superficial relationship with you. God, I don't want a surface relationship with you. God, I want to go into the deep things of your spirit. God, I want to be drawn closer so that, so that the depth of your spirit could call into the depth of my spirit, Lord. Jesus, I'm pressing, Lord. I'm pressing, oh God, only to find more of you. Only to know you more, Jesus. Only to hear your voice. Only to hear your word, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm reaching for you, O oh God. I'm reaching after you, O oh God. Lord, I'm not looking to live by bread alone. I'm not looking to live after the course of this world. God, I desire to live a life wholly submitted to you. God, completely ordered by your will. In the name of Jesus. God, I believe in you. I believe in you. 
I put my trust in you, Jesus. God, I've seen your hand at work in my life. I've seen your hand at work in my life, God. I've tasted of the supernatural provision that you've given to me. Lord, I've tasted and I've seen, and I know that you are good. Jesus, but I know there's far more where that comes from because it comes from you. You are the source of all that I need. You're the source of my life, God. I'm not seeking you for provision. God, I'm not seeking you for entertainment. God, I'm not seeking you for anything other than a closer relationship with you, to know you more. God, to spend time with you, Jesus, and know that you are at work in my life, to know what is the will of God for my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the, uh, the Lord is talking very plainly to us, very specifically to us where we are. It is a, for those in Scripture where Elder Flowers taught from, it was a place of decision. It was a place of decision. You heard the reference that they made to manna in the wilderness twice. Jesus pointed back to it. He said, as your fathers did eat and they are dead. You need to understand the context of him saying they were dead, not just their life ended. They lived a full life and passed on. No, they died in the wilderness. They never entered into what I had promised for them because they only knew me for natural sustenance. It is called humanism. It is a spirit of humanism. What is that? I live for God for what he'll do for me. I serve God for what he'll do for me. If I live for God, if I go to church, if I pray, if I give in the offering, if I fast every once in a while, God will bless me. He'll do for me. He'll give me a better job. He'll give me a nicer car. He'll give me a bigger house. He'll make my life better. I live for God for what he'll do for me. That's humanism. Humanism. What Jesus was offering is what we is the only way to live. I don't live for God for what He'll do for me. I live for God for what He can do with me. How He wants to use me. You understand the example that He gave of the woman at the well. Jesus turns to her and says, Hey, go get your husband and come back. 
She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with now, you're not married to. She didn't know what to say, so she said, you're a prophet. (laughs) She was backpedaling. You know what he was saying? See, he was addressing her relationship. She's trying to find a relationship to satisfy her human need. This man, this man, this man, this man, this man. She was looking to satisfy her human relationship need. And so she was bouncing from man to man to man. When Jesus said, if you drink of what I have for you, you'll never thirst again. You'll never be thirsty for a relationship in the natural again. You'll understand this relationship is everything. That's what he was telling her. John 6 and 63. I guess that's the chapter we're reading out of. I'm finishing. We have to respond to the word tonight. We really do. looking back here it is the spirit that quickeneth or it's the spirit that makes alive the flesh profits nothing the words that i speak to you they are spirit and they are life this is him concluding all these things that elder flowers walked us through jesus is saying this Trying to get you to partake of spiritual things, that's what's going to give you life. If you keep looking to only get from me what satisfies your human emotion, your human feeling, your human experience, your human perception, it's not profiting you. It may make you feel better. I was having this conversation with a handful of people before service. There are some who will come to church week in and week out, week in and week out, because they enjoy the music, they enjoy the worship, they enjoy the presence of God that they feel. They enjoy speaking in tongues and how it makes them feel. But they're still only interested in satisfying themselves and themselves feeling better. There is no interest in losing their life And him having utter control and doing what he wants to do. That's what he was declaring. That's what he is declaring. This is what Elder Flowers has under the anointing of the Lord spoke to us tonight. I I can't just dismiss you. I have to open this altar. I'm asking you to respond to the word of the Lord. I have to search my heart. God, I don't want to live for you for what you'll do for me. I want to live for me for what I can do for you. What you want to do with me. What do you want to do with me? Not what can you do for me? This is the difference that he was talking about. Their fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died there. They never received the promise. Do you hear them? I would to God we were back in Egypt. What? What? Hear me. A life of humanism will cause you to go back to Egypt 
trying to get what you think you need. It will cause you to go back into sin, back into the world, trying to, you know what, this just isn't doing it for me. I mean, when I was first coming to the Lord, the experience was powerful, but anymore, humanism. Please, would you find a place to pray, your pew, this altar? Would you let the Word of God get rooted in your spirit and mind? God, you are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. I want to take of your body. I want to take of your blood. I want to take of your body. I want to take of your blood. I'm not coming to you so you can fix all my stuff. I'm coming to you for you, Lord. Come on, he'll make all things new, but it's for his purpose in Jesus' name.